Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the next episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. We are on to the next position group, second to last position group. Today we are talking corners for summer scouting in the 2022 NFL Draft class. As I said, we're wrapping up very soon. We've got safeties after this, and then we're ready to start talking about the college football season for 2021. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts and Alex Gilstrap for this summer scouting episode. Before we get to talking about corners, though, folks, I need to tell you about Bet Online. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you need to go to win money today, whether it's live bets or futures for who you think will win a championship. Bet Online has all of the latest odds, news, and information for all of your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your sorry, your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, we're talking corners today, as I said, and this is a really fun class, a good group of corners, and I think there's two guys that we're going to be pretty much in agreement on who sits at the top, and we're going to end up talking about them pretty, pretty early. But as we always do on the show, we like to paint a nice picture, getting a good overview. So how would we talk and describe this this corner class if we were just taking a broad view, maybe comparing it to last year's that had two very talented players at the top with Pat Sertain and Jay-Z Horn? I think there's a lot more depth. I think that the top of the class rivals and probably is just straight out better than 2021 as well. And I would say that if we're comparing it to the other position groups for 2022 NFL draft, I would say that it is a top two to three position group overall. It is a lot of depth, a lot of players at the top that I think a couple of them specifically could fight for a top 10 selection and several more for first round conversation as well. Yeah, no, completely with you. I think the First round group of this year's class uh, is a little thicker than last year, in my opinion. I, I, I like the guys at the top, and I know I joked last week about this. Every, every week when we record these episodes, I'm thinking to myself, God, I see a lot of day two talent, but this is actually a, cl- a position group where I feel like it's complete opposite. I see I see good chunk of day one talent, and then I don't really have too many guys in that second, third round area that I, I feel like I like. I feel like there's a, a good group of day one guys, and I think there's good depth. But no one I really see is pushing for a top 100 selection after after those first round guys. Just a couple of them. So um, it's a little bit different than the other position groups as far as like not seeing that middle tier depth. But I really, really like the top. I think there's four guys specifically uh, that I think are surefire first rounders. Uh, as it is right now and then there are some developmental guys I like some guys I'm not going to talk about but Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State um, you know some but, of these but other you guys. are you are going to talk about him you lied go ahead no I like him okay I just, I, <laughs> look Avery Young from Rutgers there's a couple guys I feel like we're not going to talk about today that deserve recognition I just hear a Rutgers guy get brought up before we even get into talking about it wow I can't remember the last time I've ever heard a Rutgers guy Rutgers guy brought up in a in one of our shows 
It's probably been a while. It doesn't happen often. There's, yeah, a, there's, some, there's some good Rutgers guys this year, man. There really is. We've got Bo Melton at wide receiver. Uh-huh. we got Tyshawn. He's on the show. Tyshawn Fogg, linebacker out of Rutgers. Uh, Fatakasi, the other linebacker. Julius Turner, the defensive tackle. There's some there's some Rutgers guys. Isaiah Pacheco, the running back. Give them some credit, Joe. It's going in the right direction, all right? Coach Shiano's back. Surprising. It's coming back, baby. Go New Jersey. Yeah, that's something you usually just don't see. It's usually just bad, but good for them. Yeah. Good that they're doing well. I still won't root for them, even though I'm from New Jersey. But you know, good, good for them. So talking highest upside. A well, guy you're not, you're not, they, you're not actually a New Jersey guy. You're more a New York guy, to be honest. But it's what are you talking about? I'm from North Jersey. I'm yeah. closer to Rutgers than you are. Nah, North, Jer- North Jersey. Uh, they, they, dude, North Jersey aligns with New York. Okay, North Jersey, South Jersey, where I am, I'm, is a true New Jersey guy. Like, let's be I'm honest st- here. No, you're from Philadelphia, and I'm from New Jersey. I'm not, I'm not from Philadelphia. I'm from New Jersey. I am from New then Jersey. Then why do why do people from South Jersey continually claim Philly and all the Philly sports teams? Because we want to we want as many cheesesteaks as we possibly can. So we we That's we, a Philly thing. Exactly. Well, I'm just saying like you, you're in between, you are bordering both New York and New Jersey and Pen- and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. So you need to align with one of those two. I, I, nobody wants to align with New York except for you North Jersey folk. So yeah, I'm going to... That's not... That's Listen, not both of you suck. I'm from Atlanta where it's real. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to go to Atlanta. All right, let's talk high upside, guys. <laughs> and when we say high upside, we're referring to guys that have really high ceilings, that have a ton of potential, and if they hit, they could potentially be one of the best players in the NFL at their position. And I find it super intriguing that it's basically a 1A, 1B situation for each guys who you each picked. So, Ryan, you went with Derek Stingley. Alex, you went with Andrew Booth Jr. And I'm sure that there's going to be pretty close agreement. I'm sure it's not really going to be like, oh, mine's you know, mine's got a higher ceiling than the other. So, Ryan, let's hear your thoughts on uh, Stingley, who you picked. Yeah, it, it's a conversation where, for me, whichever one you pick is a – Correct answer. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this conversation between Derek Stingley Jr. and Andrew Booth Jr. If we're talking about Stingley, who I selected for this one, you go back to 2019 when he was a true freshman. Like you would have ended that year and you would have said in two years' time, he is slam dunk, cornerback one, maybe the top defensive player off the board. Like he has that potential. And he still does have that potential. Problem is, 2020 just wasn't nearly as good as 2019. Now he was dealing with an injury. So I'm going to wait for 2021 because I still think that this kid is a top five to 10 potential pick in next year's draft. And the reason why we saw in Feldman's freak list from Bruce Feldman from the athletic, this kid is six foot one, super athletic, four, three flat coming out of high school, like stupid athletes, probably going to have a high 30, 40 inch vert. We're talking about the traits, just the, the straight line speed on top of the ability to change direction redirect, be physical, just the ability to create power in tight quarters, especially when you're trying to locate the football down the field. I think Staley really does have a absurd athletic profile. So when he just kind of combine all those things together, as long as, as long as Derek Stingley gets back to what more of what we saw in 2019, where he was a lot more consistent, stays healthy. I think that Stingley is in that realm of like, Hey, the Jalen Ramsey's of the world, like that type of tier of cornerback entering the NFL draft. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty 
fair to say. I mean, we saw Jeff Acuda be, Jeff Acuda be a top five pick a couple years ago. Derek Stingley right now, for me, I, I believe is going to be a higher graded player and, a, and a, just a better overall prospect. So that just kind of speaks volumes to the type of athlete that he is. I think, again, speed, quick twitch, length. I think that everything is there for Derek Stingley to be a cornerback one and to maybe be the top defensive player off the board when all said and done. Yeah, Ryan, you alluded to it. Derek Stingley Jr., he's shown, uh, especially in that true freshman season, 2019 season, he's a nationally uh, recognized name. Uh, one that's not nationally recognized is Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. This is someone that's more in NFL draft circles know the name, but I feel like this is someone that 12 months from now, eight months from now, six months from now, shoot, what are we, a, a week away from college football starting? He gets to play Georgia. Yep. He could he could put his name on that that radar of being a first-round prospect to just general uh, college football and NFL, dra- NFL draft fans that when he plays Georgia here next week or a week and a half from now, Andrew Booth Jr. from the Atlanta. Let's go back to that. Atlanta <laughs> makes the best football players. Uh, Andrew <laughs> Booth Jr. from Clemson. This is someone that if you want notoriety it's, and you want, you want to find success in the NFL and get paid t- – Taking the ball away from the offense is how you're going to do it. This there's no better player in college football from like a splash perspective can make plays on the football. This guy plays cornerback as if he is the wide receiver. I mean, he can go up and get the ball. He's got he's got highlight reel catches all littered throughout his film. So uh, Andrew Booth Jr. is someone that I think is just as athletic as Derek Stingley. Probably got more bounce uh, and 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 you know explosiveness, uh, you know especially at the catch point. And I just think he's a little bit more physical. So I mean, you can't go wrong with Derek Singley. I'm not trying to downplay Derek Singley. He's definitely a top ten pick, a top five uh, player in this year's class. But Andrew Booth Jr. If someone's going to come after that CB one spot by year's end, Andrew Booth Jr. To me is going to be the one to do it because of his ability to turn the football over and coming from a, a, a program like Clemson, he's going to get, he's going to go up against some of the best wide receiver talent in the nation. He's going to start it off with Georgia and he's going to be tasked with some good, you know, a good passing game there with, uh, you know, what they've been able to do uh, since the transition to JT Daniels. So Andrew Boo Jr., Derek Singler Jr., you couldn't go wrong either way as far as highest upside. Both of these guys have the makings of being a CB1 at the next level. I really like Booth a lot because I, I, there's just some guys that have traits once in a while where you just say it's silly. And yes. his, his springiness and his ability to play the football in the air and his ability to adjust to the football in the air – and the hands that he has, the ability to to just, I mean, some absurd catches down the field. It's silly, man. Like, it is amongst the best traits of any position group I've seen so far. If we're just talking about the body control that Andrew Booth has. And I'm excited because last year we saw Darian Kendricks on one side. And then on the other side, um, Andrew Booth is sharing reps with Sheridan Jones, who's another decently talented cornerback from Clemson. Now, Darian Kendrick is transferred over to Georgia. And now we're going to, in theory, see a full scope of Sheridan Jones on one side, Andrew Booth on the other. Only wish I had is that George Pickens was able to play in, in the first That'd game of the season. Fun matchup. Would have been a fantastic matchup, to say the least. But for now, either way, Andrew Booth is special. So interestingly enough, for our next category, which is our biggest bum of the position group, you guys perfectly named this one. I don't know who who plugged it in. Was it was it was Alex? Alex did a very good job of naming this one. The Sean Wade, biggest bum of the corner class. And if you remember last year's cycle, folks, 
Sean Wade could do no wrong. Ohio State corner next in line for the lineage that was going to be this hyper elite guy drafted early and he ends up being a late round selection. And as we do with the biggest bum category, we're referring to guys that are being way too overhyped that we believe on this podcast, once reality sets in, they will be a mid-round pick. We've actually done a pretty good job of calling these guys out. And I love that you guys picked the same guy, the man who wears number seven, the man who goes by the name seven, seven banks from Ohio State. So are are, are we just doing it again? Are we just, is everybody just repeating themselves like they do every cycle? It's like, oh, it's an Ohio State corner and he's automatically CB, you know, CB3, CB4. Yeah, no, it's definitely happening. And I mean, it, it happens for a reason. Like helmet scouting is a real thing for some people, which is a shame. But I mean, they have had the lineage of going back to like Malcolm Jenkins and no more recently with Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward and Jeff Akuda and Damon Arnett, even though he was a reach. There's been a lot of great cornerbacks that have come out of Ohio State. So that lineage is a real thing. But, uh, man, and, and shout out to Jay Stevens at the Locked on Buckeyes who had me on. And, unfortunately, I had to kind of give him the real truth about seven banks. And let's start with the positives, I guess, because there is some upside here. I mean, the kid came out of high school. He was a 4-5 at 6-foot plus, And he's vertical, I think, 42 inches, like an absurd number. So, like, there is some physical ability here. The problem is... One, I don't think that his mind has quite caught up to his to his feet. And when I say that, I, I like I see him at off coverage sometimes where like he's clicking and closing. He can change direction pretty good and he's got some loose hips. But for whatever reason, man, he is just a tick slow all the time on quick game. I feel like there's just, you know, whether you're running, you know, whether you're running some slants or arrows or quick outs, speed outs, whatever it is, like he's just a tick, uh, t- tick too slow too often. And then the worst part of his game, the one that really scares me, because like you can get, you can process quicker, you can get better eyes. Those things are are teachable. But the thing that really scares me, and I really went to the Clemson game, and this one really just left a bad picture in my mind. Down the football field, I think physicality wise, I mean, in the run game, it's not good either. But like physicality down the field is bad, man. Like Cornell Powell absolutely dogged him down the field a couple of times. And there was, you know, one that was like an absurd adjustment by Cornell Powell, but he's at the catch point. He's in phase. Well, seven banks speaking, and he just doesn't have the ability to counteract the physicality that Powell has. He doesn't have the ability to fight through contact. He doesn't have the ability to close. And I worry about the physicality with him because I don't think that it's as much that he has bad play strength. I don't think that he's a, he's definitely doesn't have a small frame. He's got a good frame. I think that that is kind of a, a personality trait. I think that that is something that either you have or you don't. Either you are an aggressor or you are not. And for me, when I watched Seven Banks' film, I saw bad recognition skills and I saw a very passive player right now, both in the run and pass game. Yeah, Joe, to your point, Ohio State is billed as DBU for a lot of people, and rightfully so. They put a lot of talented uh, defensive backs in the NFL and we talked about with Sean Wade and that transition to outside and how he struggled and how that caused him to fall. Seven banks, Ohio State corner. He's supposed to be the next up in the lineage. I think, like you said, Ryan, he's almost missing that mentality, that alpha mentality. I don't know if it's a confidence issue, but there's just something about him that you just you, you don't see it. And that's a real thing at the cornerback position that you have to have. You have to have that mentality that you're the guy and this guy's not going to beat you. And I feel like I, I'm missing that 
with Seven Banks. He's got the the, the notoriety from a recruiting background. Um, he's got the physical tools, like you said. He he can you know he can change direction pretty well, but it's almost like he's not confident in his eyes. He's not confident in his decision making, and he doesn't want to. You know, he, he and he's not coughing down the football field, like you said. He's he's getting bullied uh, down the football field with physicality, and he just needs to play a little bit more aggressive and realize that he's the guy. He has the tools, and I think I'm missing some of the mental makeup that's needed to be a starting outside corner in the NFL. And right now, we're seeing him inching closer and closer to round one conversation. And sometimes I'm seeing him in round one conversations as a top five corner. And I right now, like he plays at Ohio State, yes, he has some good physical traits, yes. But he's missing that it factor that you just have to have at the next level at the cornerback position. You have to be a, a douchebag to be to be quite frank. You have to have that mentality, and Seven Banks just doesn't. <laughs> is he allowed? Is he allowed to say douchebag on the pod? Just I wasn't expecting that, but I'll allow it. I don't. I don't feel like going back and, and censoring that. So douchebag isn't allowed. Word. Actually, you could probably say whatever you want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ding you for it, but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, Alex, I mean, I mean Belief has the slap, slap dick <laughs> podcast, right? So, like, we can say whatever. We right, well, well, certain <laughs> shows are explicit, certain ones are clean. I know. Um, uh, yeah, my bad. There, there's no, there's no, there's no FCC regulation here. So say whatever you want. Just don't say anything offensive. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> and I'm sure someone will get offended by you. Yeah, I bet seven banks is isn't a dude. Yeah. He's yeah, he's not a douchebag. That's one way to offend somebody. So flipping the script here. Talking guys that we think could be unexpected risers, notably last year, the uh, the claim to fame on the pod and also for Ryan was J.C. Horn, yep. who everybody was a bit negative on, not really talking about him enough. He climbs his way all the way up to the first corner drafted, and Ryan called a shot a while ago. So today's category is the J.C. Horn watch list for biggest riser, somebody who we think out of nowhere that could pop up turn in to be a first round prospect or maybe somewhere within that range so ryan you actually selected a guy who came on the pod yep and we recently ran this interview mm-hmm. so why'd you pick noah daniels from tcu yeah so everybody's everybody's kind of been talking about the other corner hodges tomlinson who's a smaller kind of feisty guy that's probably gonna have to play nickel at the next level good football player though noah daniels for me has the most to gain of this cornerback class this year just by staying healthy he has dealt with some injuries during his time. I think even Jim Nagy kind of put him out on the radar. Like he is senior bowl eligible as a redshirt junior. And he's a guy that could dramatically rise because we saw him in only, I think, three to four games last year. And I watched him. And for me, he hits all these size variables, right? Because he is shade over 5'11", so not the tallest corner in the world, but over 33-inch arms. He's got some crazy long arms. He's got longer arms than Penny Sewell does, just to kind of put that into perspective. Jeez. And he was a 10-3, 100-meter guy coming out of high school in you know in track and field standards, and that would translate high 4-2s, low 4-3s, somewhere in that ballpark. So my boy is long, he can run, and he has just this easiness to his game. He's super fluid, nothing clunky about him. He can transition and he can run with absolutely anybody. Sometimes gets him in trouble because sometimes he gets in recovery mode. And then, you know, against the corner, against the wide receivers that he's playing right now, it doesn't usually get him in trouble. But like if we're facing off against guys like the DK Metcalf of the world who are 6'3 running in the 4'3s, then like recovery speed is, is going to be a little more subjective to those types of, types of comparisons. So 
I think that he has a lot of room to go. I think that there's fluidness. I think there's explosiveness. I think that if this kid stays healthy, he could be a first-round pick. I think there's potential there. Now, he hasn't played enough. So, like, if we're drafting him today, he's had injuries. He hasn't played a ton, a ton. So, we're talking more probably a gamble on day two, I think. Maybe on early day three. But I truly do think that the makeup is here to be that guy. Really nice young man. Super laser-focused, to say the least. He's going to have to answer the questions about the medicals down the road, even if he is able to stay healthy this season. But I think when we're talking about 10, 300-meter guy with 33-plus-inch arms who has played at TCU under Coach Patterson, who has also put out great cornerbacks you know, over the last 10 years or so. So I think that everything is in the making for Noah Daniels. He just really needs to stay healthy. Yeah, when I went into TCU defensive tape, uh, when talking about these corner scouts, going to watch them both. You talked about Hodges Tomlinson a little bit. I know he's been getting some hype this summer, and I think most of that's due to the name. Tomlinson, obviously, <laughs> nephew of Ladanian Tomlinson from TCU. Yep. Uh, so I, I went into it with really no expectations for Noah Daniels, but I came away very surprised, pleasantly surprised. And if if my ranking of him through the summer scouting is any indication, he came in as CB6 for me. So I'm right there with you. If you didn't put him down for this category, I would have. Uh, Noah Daniels, like you said, physically, he one of the more impressive players in this year's class. It's all about health for me because I liked his yeah. tape too. I thought he was a good football player. I thought, you know, I know he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list um, that was posted a couple weeks ago. Um, so I, I didn't know what to expect to go into his film, but I saw an actual, actually a good corner to match those physical traits. So, uh, if this guy can stay healthy, obviously he's going to have to answer these questions and go through medicals, um, you know, in March, February, March. But if he can, if he can check out, this guy has the potential to be that, that riser like you have him listed here. So now let's, uh, let's end up going into cracking these uh these top no fives. we can't we can't i don't think alex gave us his pick yet did you just do it again alex no. or you just you almost forgot to give your guy no i was that gonna was, let you that... transition i like you to talk a little bit joe what do you mean I'm... you were already talking i know but i want you to transition i was just giving my like rebuttal. i got a lot of things i got a lot of moving pieces going on right now so if you stop talking i assume that it's <laughs> You know what happens when I transition? I transition to the next topic. <laughs> okay, so you picked the Caleb Evans as your your riser. That one's on you. I'm not, yeah. I will take blame for the last time I made that mistake. I will take the blame for it. That one's on you. Noted. You picked the Caleb Evans, the Tulsa to Missouri transfer. A guy who got a ton of offers as soon as he entered the portal. Why'd you pick him? Yeah, Caleb Evans, like you said, coming from Tulsa. Tulsa, talented defensive uh unit last year uh obviously notable arizona cardinals first round draft pick in uh linebacker um david collins david collins i hit a brain brain fart i I was hoping i would get myself out of it uh yeah david collins who was worthy of that first round draft pick but uh, caleb evans ali green the fourth both guys coming from tulsa cornerbacks they got a little bit of hype last year as, as potential uh draft prospects but I think this transition to the SEC, I think both of them, but I, I like a Caleb Evans a little bit more right now, even though Allie Green gets a little bit more uh, notoriety at this point. I think transition to the SEC, going to Missouri, they're going to play SEC caliber wide receivers week in and week out. I think they're going to translate well. And and for me, a Caleb Evans is someone that at six foot two, 200 pounds, and I think he has solid athleticism. I, I, I really like his physicality, and I think it's going to translate well to the SEC facing some of these uh, you know top-tier SEC wide receivers. But the physicality and the click-and-close ability and off-man coverage is really, really impressive. So this is someone that I think 
got a little bit of uh, of hype last year playing for Tulsa, but I think when when that play translates to the SEC, he's going to get even more hype from more casual fans, and he, and the, and the media is going to catch on to a Caleb Evans and Allie Green both. I guess you could make this a combo being good NFL prospects uh, for the twenty twenty one class or twenty twenty two class now. Yeah, and a, a couple note, quick notes on a Caleb Evans. Um, so I actually, ha- I actually have talked to Caleb a couple times in the past. He was thinking about entering 2021, obviously decided to come back and transfer um, to the SEC, kind of like Alex highlighted. Just to put it in perspective, you told me that he is going to vertical around 40 inches and he is going to run wow. into four fours. So pretty, wow. very athletic kid. I heard that his short shuttle is pretty nice too because he's kind of – he's a loose dude. He's not like yeah. a – you know, he's not – He's not um, stiff at all. He he can get he can he has some oily hips. And then the last kind of note I have is Aaron Fletcher, who was their defensive back coach at Tulsa. He left for Missouri. So when both the kids hit the portal, obviously they went with Coach Fletch over there. He's now the defensive back coach for Missouri. And I talked to Coach Fletcher before about Zayvon Collins. He, you know, he obviously rave reviews about Zayvon Collins. But he told me he said the most talented football player on the Tulsa defense is a Caleb Evans, most talented. So just to put that in perspective, obviously the people near him are going to boast him up a little bit, but you know, saying something like that, obviously just to put the context of the talent level and then the supposed testing numbers that he let me in on, a Caleb Evans is definitely an SEC caliber athlete, and I'm excited to see him for the Missouri Tigers this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Charlie to clip you, like trying to indicate that you wanted to throw in a note because – I don't know. I always get a crack out of it because you always look like you're just so aggressively fiending to throw something in there. <laughs> you were like, I-, I need to say something. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, man. You, you got you got so many moving parts, so I got to make sure I'm you see me. I, 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 <laughs> people, well, people can now see us on video. So somebody clip that. Somebody who who is entertained by it, uh, clip it, please. All right, let's get into the top fours uh, for your guys's corner class. Ryan, you have Trent McDuffie. Uh, at number four from Washington. And then Garrett Williams, another guy who appeared on the pod. I think it was actually our first uh, spotlight interview of this cycle. So. And then conversely, Alex, you've uh, Kamir Alam from Florida. And then Ahmad Gardner. What? What? what are you laughing about? <laughs> but how do you pronounce that? How do you pronounce that? <laughs> what, say it again? Not Kamir, 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 oh, Kair. I thought you said Kair. Kair You also said Alam. Alam. You know what? Put the phonetic pronunciation in the damn doc next time. I didn't think that was a hard one. My bad. <laughs> Maybe Kair. Kair, Kair. Kair. Yeah, I get it. All right, Ryan, can you share with us just a quick thought on uh, your uh, four and five? Sure. Yeah, Trent McDuffie is possibly the most physical cornerback as far as tackling in the 2022 NFL draft. He is a lighter built guy, 5'10", 190 pounds. So there's going to be some scheme dependency to him. I don't think that he's a guy that you're going to ask to play a bunch of press man or anything like that. But like as a zone corner who can play some off man, I like him a bunch because I think that the physicality and the route recognition is is fantastic for a guy like Trent McDuffie. And then I had Garrett Williams. So I think Garrett Williams was a guy for me that you know I'm a little higher on. So he didn't really fit the category of like a guy that's in the middle tier that I think could rise. But I do think that Garrett Williams could rise into being a potential first round pick or at least a high two. I grade him out as a high two because I think that there are a lot of parallels, and I'm not calling him Jair Alexander, but I do think that there are some parallels from a uh, from a schematic and a play style perspective. He has kind of that lighter build again, right around five foot eleven, 185 pounds or so. 
but I think he's a super loose athlete. I think he has really nice click and close. I think he's a solid tackler. Everything about him is really, really solid. And I think that he has a high floor in that regard. In a defensive secondary last year, obviously Andre Sisco got hurt, but you still had um, Ifiatu Melifamu and you had Troy Williams, three guys that are playing in the NFL. Garrett Williams was the best player in that secondary last year, like point blank period. So I think that he has a lot of upside. I'm not quite sure if he is the athlete that a Jair Alexander is, which is why I don't want to throw that comp on him. But I think that their floor is just so high and just across the board, he is just a consistent football player who hasn't really been playing the position all that long. He kind of played both sides in high school. He's now obviously strictly a cornerback full-time and a guy that came in with a lighter build back to the interview that um, if you haven't heard, you should go check out, as Joe mentioned, the first one of the cycle. So I think that he is a very talented football player, only a redshirt sophomore, but I really do think that Garrett Williams has a chance to rise in this 2022 class. I find it so funny that Syracuse has all of these damn guys in their secondary, yet they're so freaking bad. It's nope. uh, I, I, it's so it's like but you could also throw in Virginia Tech too is another one of those teams that has all these draft prospects, but they just can't get them to play cohesively together. It's uh, it's it's so Florida odd to State. So, it might be an ACC thing. It honestly <laughs> might be. It might be an ACC thing. Uh, Alex, your top two guys that I violently mispronounced uh, one of their names. Yeah, but, uh, you did. Go ahead. Give us a quick thought on those guys. Yeah, Kyer Elam out of Florida. Uh, that's the correct pronunciation there. Just <laughs> length, length is the first thing that stands out on tape for him. Uh, press coverage, I think he's someone that can translate right now in press man coverage. My only worries about him is I, I do worry about his long speed a little bit. I don't think he's the fastest. Um, I think this is someone that while playing press man coverage, his physicality stands out. I think if, if someone is to get a good release on him and get a step on him, he's not someone that can that can close that gap. So there is a little bit of a worry there. Um, and then there's a little bit of a passiveness to him in off coverage, whether that's zone or off man. Uh, when he's playing off the line, there's a little bit of passiveness when it comes to his physicality. But this guy, he just makes plays all over the football field and uh, you know that length shows up. So where he lacks in long speed, he can make up for in length. So this is someone that I think right now is a first-round caliber corner, and if he can put together a productive season as far as turning the football over, I think this is someone that can easily uh, push for, like I said, that first-round consideration. Ahmad Gardner from Cincinnati. This is someone that when I walked into his tape, I was hesitant. I just looked at his frame, and I you know, made uh, I prejudged him a little bit. Uh, this is someone I, I didn't think I was going to like just based off of other people's opinions and and how they've been talking about him. But, but Ahmad Garner simply just makes plays all over the football field, whether it's in press, he has length as well. Talk about Kyrie Elam's length. Ahmad Garner has some good length to him. And I think he's really physical in, in that way. Um, and then he's, he's just really smooth in coverage, whether that's off man, he has great click, click and close ability. And I think he's a little bit more scheme dependent than Kyrie Elam. And that's why he slotted in at five versus Kyrie Elam's fours. I think he's, I, I worry about Kyer Elam's long speed. Ahmad Gardner has a little bit more of a glaring concern in that regard. I think this is someone that's definitely going to have to have some protection over the top from safeties uh, at the next level if you're going to trust him. So I think this guy, if he keeps his head in the backfield, I think that's where his best play is, his ability to close in and, and jump routes uh, and turn the football over. He has multiple pick sixes on his tape where – uh, you know, that that's exactly what happened playing in off coverage. He's able to just click and close, you know, get through that transition quick and get to the football and make a play. Good ball skills. This guy just makes plays in all phases of the game. 
I have a comp. Can I throw a comp out there for yeah, Sauce? Yeah, do it. Um, yes, you Sa- permission. Sauce reminds me of Cameron Dantzler that came out of Mississippi State a couple mm. years ago. Oh. What was he, a second so, rounder? Uh, I don't know if that's a good... So I think he was like a fourth rounder because he ran oh, out of no, four you're sexes. right, because he had yeah. that bad 40. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably not the best comp. Well, I mean, like, Dantzler... probably not. No, he's that done, makes he's sense. Not good. He's done... He's decent. He's done, he's done pretty well for the Vikings. It's just like there's always going to be that part of his game that you're going to worry about. So there's going to be right. some receivers yeah. that he just does not match up against. Like, it just is yeah. what it is. All right, now for the fun part, where we guess each other's top threes. Yep. Alex, let's go to you first this time. Alex, you guess Ryan's, and then we'll flip. All right. One, two's easy. Derek Singley, one. Andrew Booth, Jr., two. Three. I know you don't like Ahmad Garner that much. There's really no one else. It's, it could be, in my opinion, I can't think of anyone else. It's got to be Kyer Elam. You must like him. Hmm. I'm going Kyer Elam three. Right, Ryan. All right. Um, number three is tripping me up with Alex. I'm going to say that it's Trent McDuffie is his third. Um, I think that we talked about this before, and you told me that you actually liked Booth more than Stingley. So I'm going to go Stingley two, Andrew Booth one. All right, so both of you guys – correctly guessed each other's threes or it was wrong and then you managed to do the opposite of the other in terms of your top twos so wait if, if i'm correct i think you guys guessed your own top two so let me let me explain <laughs> alex said Derek stingley yeah andrew, andrew booth. booth trent mcduffie yeah ryan you had andrew booth Derek stingley and then elam yeah so Almost. We're almost there. I flipped, That's probably, I I flipped one, two, and you flipped one, two. Right. And uh, I'm pretty sure you guys guessed your own top two, which got to love the creativity. I think, I, think Alex, <laughs> I think Alex cheated, man. I think he cheated because I'm pretty sure he told me he liked Booth more. I think he cheated. On no, I said, I, said, <sighs> I said when watching Booth, there are times where I feel like I might like him more than Derek Stingley. But uh, you read into it too much. Yeah, you just you jumped to I conclusion. Don't know, man. I, they're I don't not, know. they're both top ten players on my big board right now, as they should. All right, so we, we we've talked actually a good amount about all three, actually all four of the guys that were mentioned on here. We we, we we've hit on each of them at certain points or another. Yep. I, I want to unpack to wrap up the show for the next few minutes. How high of a ceiling in terms of draft selection do we think both Booth? And Stingley can go. Like, do we think that this is going to be like last year where we have two top 10 guys? Is it going to be that type of a class? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I will say the difference in this evaluation is going to be on who you think is going to be the first guy off the board and projecting forward who you think could be the better player. Because for me, I would say comfortably right now, I think Derek Stingley is going to be a top five pick. I also think that Andrew Booth, if he takes the high volume of snaps Mm -hmm. and he does what he was able to do in a shorter volume is going to be a top 10 pick. So if you ask me who is going to be the first corner off the board, I do think it's going to be Stingley. But if you ask me who do I think has the higher upside, who, in my opinion, if everything clicks, could be the better player, I think that it could be Andrew Booth. And now they're very, they're separated very close for me. But yes, to answer your question, I think both could go top 10 I think that Stingley has the upside to go top five, but if you told me at the end of the day that Andrew Booth went top five as well, 
I would, I mean, it'd be a little rich having two corners in the top five, especially with a quarterback driven league. But man, I think that these both are top five caliber players. I think that's how special this top of this quarterback class is. No, uh, yeah, Stingley right now obviously is the favorite from no, from a notoriety standpoint. I keep talking about that, but it's easy to project him uh, as being that top five guy. You know, we talked about you know outside of the quarterback position because quarterbacks are different when you're talking about them. There's Derek Stingley, there's Kayvon Thibodeau, and there's uh, there's Kyle Hamilton who we're probably going to talk about quite a bit next week. Never heard of him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it really just depends on where the teams that, that don't need quarterbacks fall when you're talking about how high can these guys go. If Houston has a number one pick, they're going quarterback. But the Jets, if they go number one, they just invested number two overall pick. And with the way he played last week or this past week in preseason, Zach Wilson I'm talking about and that coaching staff, they look pretty good. They're probably not going to pick in the top three. Uh so yeah, it just really depends on where those where the teams fall. But I think both of these, like I said a second ago, they they both fall in my top ten right now, and I think they're both top ten caliber football players. That, like you said, Ryan, if Andrew Booth is able to match that level of play in a higher volume of snaps in twenty twenty one, I think these guys are going to be neck and neck. You talked about Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn being eight and nine overall. I think you could see a similar range uh, between the two of them in the twenty twenty two draft. And can we just have an open mind for a second? Because if you would have told someone last year that J.C. Horn would have been the first pit player, uh, first corner off the board over Patrick Sertan, or just in general that Patrick Sertan was not the first corner off the board, somebody right. probably would have called you crazy. So just keep an open mind, well, didn't man. That, didn't that happen? It did happen. That, that's my point. <laughs> that's, that's my point to this class is everybody is just, oh, Derek Stanley's cornerback one. Let it play out, man. Because yes, he has the upside to be. He has the the inside track to be. All I'm saying is, is that cornerback one in 2022 is far from a close conversation. I think that Booth does have a very good opportunity to unseat him if he has a big season. Asking draft Twitter to be open minded. Good. One. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. Very talented corner class. Seems to be a trend like we see with these receivers. Very, very, uh, A lot of talent is going to be put at that position. So here we are again. Really, really good group of corners. That's it for today's episode. We've got one more, and then the season starts this week. So as soon as, probably not this up, the, the following week's episode because we've got to do safeties. But after that, we're going to start doing recap episodes of headlines and things that are happening throughout the college football season. You don't want to miss out on that. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening on podcasts. Hit the subscribe button on the uh, YouTube channel that you're watching right now. Also, follow us on Twitter at NFL Prospects Pod, at Rise and Draft, at Alex Gillstrap. Head to riseanddraft.com. Forgot to plug that earlier. Disappointed that I did. Riseanddraft.com to find fantastic draft content in the best draft database out there. Uh, also, follow Believe Podcast at BLAV Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, folks. Stay tuned for a fantastic interview coming out later this week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.